You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Good to see all of you here today. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Thor McCarthy. I kind of do a lot with the student ministry around here, and you might not be familiar with my face because I'm usually up at the Pittsburgh Mills location uh, up there doing that. But uh, student ministry is what I'm passionate about. That's what I'm going to school for. Uh, and that's uh, where I'm involved here at Riverside. And um, I'm just happy to be here this morning to be able to share with you from God's Word. And I just wanted to let you know that you have no way of knowing this, but you actually are the lucky crowd this morning. You picked the right service to go to because uh, you won out by sleeping in. Last service um, during this message, I, I had my notes on an iPad and I got about halfway through and the, the app crashed. And so the, the whole audience just had to sit there in awkward silence while I just, you know, blathered on and Brennan came and ran with my laptop and brought it up here and got it logged in and uh, rescued me from that. So you will not have to sit through that. This service I mean, I don't have to do that much well, and this service will go smoother than last service. So, yes, you're, you're, you're in for And by the way, paper notes. So we're all good for this service. There will be no crashing of the paper. Uh, unless it, like, spontaneously combusts or something, uh, we're all set here. Um, this morning, we are going to be wrapping up this uh, month's message series. We're in this uh, September to September series of All In, and this month we're looking at all my days, all my days. And I thought it was kind of funny that uh, Pastor David asked me to preach on this series of all my days because, frankly, I don't have very many days. Uh, There's not that many in the bank, relatively speaking. Uh, I mean, I'm not like an infant, but I'm not, I don't have that many days behind me um, compared to some of you. No, listen, wait, (laughs) don't take that the wrong way. Listen, I, it's a good thing. Lots of days in the bank means lots of wisdom that you are carrying around with you. So that is awesome. I admire you for uh, all the days that you have made it through and all the things you've picked up along the way. So congrats on that. But if you're wondering how many days exactly have I lived, uh, you can go in your Riverside Community Church app, open that up, uh, turn there, look in the app notes. You can follow along with the whole message. And in there, there's a little link you can put in your birthday. And like magic, it'll tell you how many days you've been around. Um, I used it and I have lived 7,926 days so far. You can see how many days uh, you've been alive. All my days of being married amount to 51. So, yes, lots of days there. Thank you. Pretty excited about that. I actually, I did not need to use a calculator for that one. So, um, but we're still together. So I do know a thing or two about marriage. We've lasted this long. uh, So you can trust me when it comes to that topic. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Some of you guys have probably been married longer than I have been alive. Uh, That's impressive. Actually, you know, it's crazy. Some of you, some of you have probably been asleep for more hours than I have been alive. That's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, that's not relevant to anything. It just, it just blows my mind. Um, all my days is this theme that we're in, all my days. And we're looking at Psalm 23, and we've been kind of walking through it verse by verse each week, um, one at a time, and checking it out. And this week, 
Um, we're going to be in the very final verse. But uh, up at the mills, David Kennard has been having everyone stand and read the whole psalm together through in a different version each week, a different translation. Um, so would you stand with me and uh, read? The words will be on the screen. <clears throat> we're going to read through Psalm 23 in the ESV today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Um, So verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy. So goodness and mercy. I mean, it's kind of like this, this little flowery phrase that maybe we don't stop and think about like what that actually means. What's it, what's it talking about? And there's a lot of layers of detail that you could go into there. Um, but it really kind of coming at the close of this psalm um, as a concluding thought here is really referring back to everything in verses one through five. It's like this summary thought of surely all this goodness and mercy that he has been describing. He's been talking about, King David uh, has been talking about this image of a sheep and Lord, uh, the Lord being his shepherd and taking care of the sheep and providing for the sheep and leading beside still waters and giving me food to eat and, and caring for me. And so this goodness and mercy kind of encapsulates all of that image of the Lord being faithful to provide. So provision, okay, so is he saying like, surely, uh, you know, a job will follow me all the days of my life? Surely I'll have good people in my life all the days of my life? Surely, you know, I will have health and wellness all the days of my life? Is that what he mean with provision? Well, whatever he's talking about, he also says that it follows him into the valley of the shadow of death. When I'm at the end of my rope, when I have nothing left, when no one is around me, when I feel hopeless, I don't see any meaning, when I fear for my life, when I have no strength left, when it's darkness all around, surely, even here, goodness and mercy are with me. There's something in it that is bigger than just providing for my needs. There's something more significant to it. And we kind of get a clue as to one of the layers of what that means uh, when he speaks of you uh, guide me along the paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Um, And he talks about the leading beside the still waters. There's this uh, direction and guidance of the shepherd that is a big part of this concept. And there's an ear to uh, who I am as a person, my character, and my purpose in life that God has given me purpose and direction and meaning. And there's all those uh, things wrapped up in this idea that you might uh, call it God's will for my life, that God's will for me includes this whole image of Psalm 23 of being in his presence, being cared for, being provided for in these ways with um, the, my, who I'm becoming and what I'm doing for him. It's God's will, God's will for me. So can we say with the same certainty as David, he says, surely, 
goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely. Can we say with the same certainty that surely, God, your will, your provision, all of this will follow me all the days of my life. How can I spend all my days in God's will? That's the question, the lens through which we're going to look at God's word today, and the question that we're going to kind of uh, uh, try and get to the bottom of this morning. And uh, I'm just going to warn you right from the get-go, this, this message is not like a super um, hurrah, feel good, get pumped up and excited, you can do it, go get them kind of message. It's not like that super encouraging, uh, inspirational kind of message. It's a little bit more um, practical um, and hopefully a little bit challenging as well. So I, I pray that you'll stick with me as we work through this together, and I think that the reward will be great um, in a practical, helpful kind of sense today. So would you pray with me before we dive in? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that is that you have provided for us. Uh, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need you to help us to engage with your word. We need you to be at work in our hearts and our minds to open us up to the things that you want to do and accomplish in our lives, God. Over the just this next few minutes, this hour, God, would you speak to us and push us and challenge us in ways um, that we are not expecting you to? Would you work through this word um, this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So hopefully you got your app out by now in the app notes. If not, uh, if you don't have the app, you could download it right now. Or you can uh, pull out a Bible, paper Bible, in the seat in front of you and turn to the book of Psalms. Um, the book of Psalms. And of course, we're in verse 6 of uh, Psalm 23. And very interesting uh, to note as well that this whole Psalm, Psalm 23, up until this point, has been all about what God is doing. You know, he leads me beside the still waters. He shepherds me. He guides me. He makes me lie down. He sets a table for me. It's all this stuff that God has been doing. And then at the very end, the last phrase of the last verse, we finally get a declaration of what David's role and his purpose is, um, who wrote this psalm, we kind of get that first inclination of this is something that the speaker is saying that they will do. And it comes right at the end here. It says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you're like me, I have read this many, many times uh, over my life um, when I first heard it and just kind of like read right past that phrase and thought of it as like, oh, that's a nice thought. Like, life after death, maybe, just like a kind of a vague hope of like, oh yeah, I'll live with God forever. But actually, actually, the clear and immediate reference that David was thinking of, and that any um, ancient Hebrew, ancient Israelite who is reading that, um, or modern, you know, Jewish people who are reading this psalm as a part of worship, as a part of their culture life, they would have known exactly what he was talking about. The house of the Lord um, is not some vague pie-in-the-sky thought. It's actually the house of the Lord is the temple that was in Jerusalem or the tabernacle, depending on what time. But that was the house of the Lord. So when he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, what he's saying is, I shall keep returning to the temple of God. And this, this temple is the place where God's presence was uniquely known. They would go, the Israelites would go to the temple for, um, to celebrate the feasts throughout the year. They would go to the temple to pray to God. They would go to the temple to sing together. They would go to be in his presence in whatever shape and form, to uh, offer thanksgiving, all these different um, purposes, but all to be in his 
presence. It's this, this utterly physical practice and choice, conscious decision that David is making. He's connecting the experience of God's provision, being like a sheep, this psalm. He's connecting that experience of God's provision directly to the choice of regularly finding his presence, regularly making time to go and be in the presence of the Lord. And the thought here is that, excuse me, God's will is found by choosing his presence. God's will is found by choosing his presence. And God is faithful to provide his presence to us, but we can accept it or reject it. We can choose to live in that presence or not. And living in his presence, that's where the surely comes in. The surely goodness and mercy shall follow me is in accepting and living in the presence of God. There's an intimate connection between these two thoughts in verse 6. And so let's take this a step further then. Okay, if um, God's will is found by choosing his presence, well, how do I stay in the presence of God? How do I do that? And to answer this question, we're going to kind of pivot away from Psalm 23. It's kind of the groundwork of where we're going, but we're actually going to look at a different psalm. Um, this is Psalm 1, Psalm, the very first psalm, and it's intentionally kind of placed at the beginning of the Psalter, the book of Psalms, um, as an introduction to the Psalms. It's like almost the preface of the whole book of, you pick this up and you're like, well, what is this for? Like, what do I do with this? What's it for? And read Psalm 1 and it lays it out exactly. It's really an incredible um, Psalm. Very, very short. We're going to read that this morning. So go ahead and flip back a couple pages, uh, if you haven't already, to Psalm 1, verse 1. And we're going to read uh, a little bit more about this idea of staying in the presence of God. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So he's, he's setting up a contrast. The uh, psalmist is setting up a contrast of those who listen to the voice of the Lord, who choose his presence, his will, and those who do not, who reject it. It goes on. Blessed is the one who is not like that, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Quick note, um, the word law here kind of refers to um, not just what we would think of today as the law that's in the Old Testament, but all of the Hebrew scriptures. It refers to that law portion, but also the prophets, the historical writings, the wisdom literature. That's, this word law is kind of a, uh, a one word that encapsulates all of it. Um, so the delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Well, let's not move too quickly past this here. Stop and think for a second. Meditate is a serious word. It literally means stop and think, to ponder it, to mull something over, to chew on it, to uh, work it through, to wrestle through it, to sit. It requires time. It requires silence and, and pushing aside all the distractions. It requires intentionality and sitting down and really actively processing this word. And, he, and it's really interesting that the psalmist, you know, in setting up this contrast of the way uh, of, you know, this walking in step with the wicked, not listening to God's voice versus um, the way of the one who uh, is blessed, it says. In this contrast, he doesn't mention behaviors. He doesn't say, blessed is the one who does all the right things. Psalmist doesn't say, blessed is the one who believes this, this, and this about God. 
it's really fascinating that he goes to this discipline, this spiritual discipline, this practice of devotional life. Blessed is the one who spends time meditating on God's word. Thought here is choosing the presence of the Lord takes time in his word. And why is that? Verse 3, that person, the one who meditates on the, the law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So there's this image of God's word as nourishing water that informs and transforms the one who is planted in it. It's this idea that if you sit and you reach your roots deep into God's word and you take time and find out about his story, the Bible, this story of what God is like, who he is, what he's up to in the world, what he has done throughout history to accomplish his purposes, how that history ties into where we are today, this whole story of who God is and what he's doing and what his purpose is. If you take time and dig into it as a tree draws life from water, that it will begin to transform you. It will begin to change the way you see yourself. It will begin to change the way you see the people around you. It will change the way you see the world and society and culture because it will all be seen through the lens of his word and his story. You might see something on the news and your mind will go to, well, I know what God thinks of the immigrant and the orphan and the oppressed. And I I'm going to choose God's response to this because I'm so ingrained in his story that I see the world through the lens of his story. And it begins to change how we live. It brings a new light to decisions that you make at work, decisions that you make at home, because it's all seen through God's story. And this is the, the, the thought here is that it, it challenges and shapes us when we spend time in God's word, that it actually shapes who I am and it changes who I am. And it says, if you'll notice, it says um, that this person yields fruit in season. Leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. Um, again, this isn't talking about like, oh, well, I'll have success everywhere I turn, have lots of money and resources. No, no, no. The fruitful life is about blessing others, this f- bearing fruit in the world. God, see, he wants to partner with you to bring healing and restoration, and reconciliation, and life into the world. That's his purpose for you. And this psalm is claiming that spending time meditating on his word and getting familiar with his story is going to change me into the kind of person that God will use for big things. That is a crazy claim, that it all comes from his word and spending time with him. See, it's easy to see that and to want it. It's easy to say, yeah, you know, I would like to be in God's will for me. I would like to live like this tree that prospers and is planted by the waters. You know, that sounds really, really good. It's easy to say that. It's much harder to actually put down the roots that it takes to build, to grow that tree. It's not enough to think of God as your top priority. You could say, oh, yeah, God, I think he's really important. I think he's number one. He is more important than anything else in my life. That's one thing. But to actually make him your top priority means prioritizing him over other things. It means literally 
taking your schedule, crossing something off, and putting time in his presence there. That's what prioritizing God is, is an active choice to put him in first place. And there's always other things that are going to try and steal that time. So it has to be a conviction that this is important. It has to come from a conviction that I must spend time in the presence of my Father. I must do it, and so I choose to do it. Choosing the presence of the Lord takes consistency. It takes consistency because it takes decades for a tree to grow like that. It takes a long, long time. It takes incremental change, bit by bit, to be shaped by the Word of God. The psalmist talks about meditating day and night. This is consistent. This is not a little here, a little there. This is, I'm steeping myself in his word and his story over the long haul. Have you, have you had enough of the metaphors yet? Like, oh, first I'm supposed to be like a sheep. Now I'm supposed to be like a tree. Like, what next? You know, I've got, I've got one more metaphor for you. So stick with me here. This one is from a guy, Dallas Willard. Um, I read a book of his called The Spirit of the Disciplines. Awesome book. Um, And in it, he talks about this concept, and he puts it in terms of a sports analogy, which I'm not, like, big into sports, so maybe, hopefully, you can stick with me, because I found it to be a powerful analogy anyway. At least it's not, like, like a fishing metaphor, you know? People are always, uh, you know, like, when you got a big one on the line, you got to really haul it in and be thankful you got the net with you. Like, what is that supposed to mean to me? I don't know. So, no, it's not one of those, I promise. Listen, whether you like sports or not, Imagine for a second that you do. Imagine that you are really into hockey, okay? You want to be a great hockey player. So you join a hockey league, and you decide, I want to be, I want to be like Sidney Crosby. I want to play just like Sidney Crosby. So how would you do that? Would you go into the game and say, I'm going to do what Sid Crosby would do. I'm going to score a whole bunch of goals. I'm going to get all sorts of points. Um, I'm going to do really, really well. I'm going to lead the team and be amazing at it. Is that how you copy Sidney Crosby? No. You would suck (laughs) at hockey if that was your first time in the rink. What you have to do is you have to copy what he did to get to where he's at. So you have to practice skating. You have to do drills. You have to, you know, practice passing the puck and study the, you know, strategy of hockey. Or I'm out of hockey words or I would keep going. Um, you have to do all that stuff. And hopefully the, you know, you're with me. That metaphor should clearly apply here. If you want to be like Jesus, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. I want to forgive my enemies who hate me. I want to be kind and loving to the people who are so rude and annoying to me. I want to be generous everywhere I go. I want to give freely and sacrificially and serve those around me. I'm going to be like Jesus, and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do that. I mean, good luck. Like, I hope that turns out well for you. See, the way to be like Jesus is to copy what he did to be there. And what did Jesus do If you read through the Gospels, you'll see, you'll be struck by how often Jesus is always getting away from his disciples, from his, uh, the people who were, the crowds who were following him. He was getting away, getting to his quiet, silent place, and spending time in the presence of his Father. He knew his scriptures well because he studied them, and he prayed to his Father, and he meditated, and he spent time figuring out what his Father was up to in the world. And that story 
was what he was a part of. And that's the model that we have to follow to get to those places. It's just the same with, like, think of Apostle Paul. Like, he's this great hero, champion of the faith. He wrote most of the New Testament. If I want to be like Paul, what did Paul do? He actually spent his whole life as a Bible nerd, you know, as a Pharisee, studying the law and the scriptures and doing all that. And then after he met Jesus, he didn't immediately go, uh, okay, I'm going to go and start on this missionary journey. He actually spent 10 more years just serving in a local church and studying scripture and relearning what the, the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures were like in light of Jesus and refocusing that. And he spent time doing that in preparation, 10 years before he then embarked on his first missionary journey that we know about. That's a long haul process of daily incremental change. It takes a lifetime of daily patterns and habits. Choosing the presence of the Lord takes consistency. And then, then in the moment of crisis, when that character is required of you, when you have to make the tough choice, when you have to make the difficult decision to do the Christ-like thing, the character will have already been grown in you, and you will have that resource to draw on instead of um, just deciding in the moment, oh, okay, I'm going to try and do the right thing. Not going to work out so well. You, it takes these daily disciplines to get to the real life change. Let's keep reading. Verse 4, not so the wicked, so they are not like this tree that is planted and solid and firm. They are like chaff that the wind blows away, not rooted in anything substantial. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. There's these two paths, these two paths, and uh, similar to the, the language in Psalm 23, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. See, God, he's calling you to the paths of righteousness. He's saying, this is the path that leads to goodness. This is the path that leads to being like a strong tree, fruitful and prospering everywhere and everything, everywhere that you go and bringing life to people. This is the path that's going to lead where you want. Don't go on that path, that way of the wicked that leads to destruction. He's calling you that way. But there's two paths, and we all get to choose how we live our days. All my days are my choice. All my days are my choice. No one can make that choice for you. I get to decide each day how I spend it. Will I seek the presence of the Lord or not? All my days are my choice. And tell you what, a few thousand of those days strung together is the sum total of a life. All my days are my choice. Um, love this quote from Dallas Willard, same, same guy I was mentioned earlier. <clears throat> In his book, he says, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. Most of us have an idea of who we want to be and, and what we want to be like, and we want to reach this level of faith or of character change or of life change or whatever, at the same time, we don't commit to the kind of life that leads there. It takes a lifetime of daily habits to become ingrained, for the Word of God to become ingrained in me and to truly change who I am. So the thing this morning, the one thing that I hope that we walk away from this with is to make the presence of the Lord a habit. It's got to be a habit. Be as intentional about it as you are about eating 
or sleeping or putting on your clothes in the morning. Why do you do those things? It's not because they're super duper convenient. It's not always fun to like, oh, I'm going to go cook dinner again and lunch and I'm going to make all this food. Well, why do you do it? Because without it, you would die because you know that it is important. And because it's important, you make time for it. It's important for me to walk out the door with clothing on my body. So I make time for picking out an outfit and deciding what I'm going to wear and putting it on. You, if spending time in the presence of the Lord is that important, if it is that important, you have to make time for it and you have to put time in your schedule for it. Now, I told you that this was going to be super practical today and uh, I wanted to give you two resources that if you're serious about this and you're like, yeah, I want, to, I want to make these disciplines, I want to make this part of my life, serious about it, two resources that will take you a really long way. One of them is that book that I keep mentioning by Dallas Willard, The Spirit of the Disciplines. Um, you can, you know, get that somewhere. If you like books, check it out. It talks about a whole bunch of disciplines that um, Jesus and his followers and the early followers of Jesus um, would have practiced uh, regularly and different things, more so than just uh, reading scripture and meditation and solitude, although that's in there. He talks about a lot of different things. So that's a very useful book. If you like books, check it out, read it. The other one, um, there's actually a link to this one in the app notes, if you scroll to the bottom, uh, and it is called the Read Scripture app. Um, and basically, what this app has done is it takes the whole story of scripture and breaks it down into uh, sections that make sense. And it breaks those down even further uh, into little bits um, for that make sense for a daily time of like 20 minutes, 15 minutes um, to read through. And the best thing about it is that there are videos in this app that um, take each book and at intermittent points and they say, how does this book fit into the story of Scripture? How does the structure of um, this, you know, these chapters, how does it fit into the message of the author of this part of Scripture? And so if you're like me, and, you know, you've been reading through Leviticus, and you're like, do not boil a goat in its mother's milk. Uh, Okay, I won't. Um, What does this have to do with my faith? Okay, I have no idea. If you're like me, you're like that. This these videos are amazing. They do a, a huge, great job at tying all Scripture together and helping you to see the progression of the story of God at work in this universe that he created. Um, so can't recommend it highly enough. In fact, uh, click that link in the app, download it. Right now, I give you permission to stop listening to me for the rest of this time here and do, go download that app. If you're doing that, if you're downloading the app and getting it set up and stuff, free pass. You don't have to pay attention to another word I say. It's that important. Um, but I, I love this app. Can't recommend it enough. Worship team, you guys can come back up. Um, all my days, all my days is not an observation of the past. It's not. It's a declaration about the future because we have all already chosen the wrong path. We have all already chosen not the presence of God, not the way of the Lord, We've decided to go our own way. I mean, I can't even live up to my own definition of what's right and wrong. And I know you're the same way, much less God's creation of right and wrong and what he has called right and wrong. We've all made ourselves enemies of God by choosing the wrong way, by heading away from him and rejecting him. We've made ourselves his enemies. But the incredible thing is that we are not stuck outside of his presence. The story of the Bible is all about how he wants to bring us back into his presence. And how he did it is through Jesus, through his life, through his death and his resurrection. He made a way 
back to his presence. And he made that available to us free of charge. There's nothing that we have to do, nothing that we have to, we don't have to say, God, I'm always going to do my daily devotions every morning before work for the rest of my life. He's not waiting for you to make some promise of obedience before he accepts you. He's ready right now. And he wants you to be back in his presence if you accept him and what he has done for you and that you pledge that he is your king, that Jesus is Lord. He is ready and waiting. And even though it doesn't depend on you choosing his presence day to day in the future, even though his offer of salvation is free, waiting for you all the time, man, how tragic would it be if you accepted his forgiveness and chose that, but then didn't live in his will for you? He made this available to you by his blood. How tragic would it be to let that go by and not choose time in his presence that will transform you and transform your life. Question this morning, question this morning that I want to leave us with is, will I commit to dwell in the house of the Lord all my days? Will that Psalm of David be my Psalm that I say surely, surely? And will I commit to dwell in the house of the Lord all my days? This means actually changing priorities on the schedule. It means actually sitting down, taking practical steps to choose time in his presence instead of time doing something else. That's what it requires of us. Will I do it? And when we do, when we do that, man, that's when God's will breaks out into the world. If Riverside Community Church is a place of people who live day to day in the presence of God, who are absorbed in his word, who are absorbed in his story and focused on his kingdom and his purposes and his plan, that is powerful. And God does have a plan and a purpose for you. And he's got a plan for the world. And he wants his plan to restore the world, to make everything new, to make everything right. He wants you to be a part of that. And that is beautiful. That's amazing. So will you join him in that? Will you step into his will? What is the next step that it will take for you to get there? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for making your presence available to us, to providing, faithfully providing that to us. God, I pray that we would never take that for granted. God, that we would live all of our days continually seeking out your presence, continually seeking you out in your word, that we would steep ourselves in who you are and be transformed by who you are. And I pray that as we do that, that you would bless that endeavor, that you would be there in that endeavor, and that you would bring your purposes to bear on this world for good, for health and life and reconciliation and new creation. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.